Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, I was in Michigan last weekend. Four grandkids from three, well, three, six, eight, and ten. It was just awful time. <laughs> They're just constantly all over me, you know. These, it was obviously it was fabulous. But I had, I had uh, Wally Abbott gave me a little book. Called Make Your Bed. It's by William McRaven, who was a retired admiral. He was a SEAL for 34 years, and now he's the Chancellor of the University of Texas. And he he did a commencement address that was expanded into this little book. And I was so impressed. I bought one for my son, for my grandson, for my brother, and uh, and of course for myself. I had to get mine back to Wally. He's so cheap. <laughs> but I um. So I sat down with Owen, my eldest grandson, he'll turn uh, 10 in just a, uh, about a month and a half. And he sat down with me and he said that he had read the book and he said, Grandpa, I'll never ring the bell. I'll never ring the bell, which is in that book, it's about quitting. I'll never quit. And I thought, this is so good. This is so good. So. That little book is going to be the, the uh, inspiration for my sermon series going right up until Easter. And um, so this morning, it's about making your bed. It means starting well every single day so that we might one day finish well and hear those words, well done. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more bags. The servant with two bags of silver also went, and worked, went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his, from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant whom he had trusted five bags of silver, came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you money. I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now 
I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. God added his understanding to this hearing of his word. Where do I begin? Maybe with an illustration from Chariots of Fire? No. <laughs> I hear Bill did a great job last week, as always, and I am so glad. It's such a, we had that time up in uh, Chicago together at the conference, and it was a, a wonderful time to, to be with a seasoned, excellent pastor. And I am so grateful that he's here with us, and so grateful that I can steal away and get, a, get some time with, with my family up in, up in Michigan every now and then. This story is one that has been largely, well, it's been largely misunderstood. It's been largely misapplied. Jesus is here telling his disciples some of the most ultimate of things as he is about to enter into his time of crucifixion and passing. These are his final statements. And he's telling about leaving. The master goes on a trip. Master leaves and, and he leaves gifts behind. He entrusts his wealth. He entrusts what he has to them. And this particular translation saying bags of silver. The talent was in excess of a working man's wage for a year. Five talents was an awful lot of money. Bags of silver, maybe bags of gold. But the amount that this man lavished upon his servants was huge. And as he did so, he gave them the charge to take care of it. And the way they took care of it was of a different order for each one of them. Except for the man with five bags came back with another five. The man with two bags came back with another two. The man with one bag buried it and came back with one bag. And what is often not understood about this particular passage is that for Jesus' hearers, the one with the one bag, he was the good guy. He was the one who had rightly taken care of the gifts that his master had left with him. 
He was the good guy. But those who risked, those who took such risks with something that didn't belong to them, they were listening and they had to have been perplexed because the core value was not about going out and risking, but about playing it safe. Core value for people of his time was not to invest money. They're, they couldn't even earn interest off of each other. Core value was playing it safe. Now, William McRaven, toward the end of his chapter, his first chapter, talks about SEALs, Navy SEALs who go through intense training. And he has this to say about them. And these men and women, almost every day, especially if they're in a place where they're facing danger, don't know if their day is going to end with them alive. And so he says, they all understood that life is hard and that sometimes there is little you can do to affect the outcomes of your day. In battle, soldiers die, families grieve, your days are long and filled with anxious moments. You search for something you can, that can give you solace, that can motivate you to begin your day, that can be a sense of pride in an oft-times ugly world. But it is not just combat. It is daily life that needs the same sense of structure. Nothing can replace the strength and comfort of one's faith. But sometimes the simple act of Making your bed can give you the lift you need to start your day and provide you with the satisfaction to end it right. If you want to change your life and maybe the world, start off by making your bed. Profound statement. But this is a statement of those who are risking it all. Who have taken the one life that they have and have earned the the opportunity to be serving as Navy SEALs. And then, after all of that harsh training and all that self-investment, know that they can lose it all. And the Lord is saying that when He lavishes His gifts upon us, we're not to take those things and bury them. We're not to play it safe. We're to take what God has given to us and, and spread it, invest it. And all the gifts that God gives are so varied. And yet we have what we have. We are blessed, as is the promise to Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing. And because God is God, we can, we can give all we are, all we have. And then there's the one who had the single bag. Who took it, buried it. And he came back after these other guys had come back with double the amount. And he held up his little bag. <laughs> said, I knew you were hard. You reap where you don't, where you don't sow. And you, well, you're a hard master. And the master says to him in so many words, you've got me all wrong. 
This is a misconception of the master. One who thinks that God is so hard, so judgmental, so rough, so harsh, has completely missed the point about who God is. The one who is the foolish servant is the one who has completely misconstrued an understanding of God. Don't we get it? What God is about? God may entrust so many things to us, and it is for his glory, but how much is there for us when we pour ourselves out into it, when we give ourselves fully to life, when we, even in the closing days of our lives, are continuing to do what we can and what we must. I've shared this story before. My father, at the end of his life, could do so little. He could walk, of course he could talk. He still had a pretty good mind at 96. And yet when I was there late January before he died, he told me he'd stopped giving out bulletins at the back of the church. And I knew that was a statement about what he felt about where he was in life. But what he could still do, he could still pray. So he, he would pray. As he moved himself out into the neighborhood to walk on his walker, even after being, <laughs> being bumped by twi twice by cars pulling out of driveways, knocking him over. Dad was just a tough old bird. He got up and kept going. But then on, the, on one particular day in May, when he was 96 years old, he, he was making his way up to the bedroom. My sister was walking behind him. Dad got to the top of the steps and he said, I'm, I'm so tired. Dad had, in those closing years of his life, gotten into the habit of doing what he did when he was a little boy. That was he would kneel at his bed and pray before he got in. And on that particular night, Dad made up to the top of the steps, went by his bedside, knelt to pray, and went forward and died. He finished well. He was the Lord's servant, as are we all. But he returned to him, in my estimation, double for that which he had received. So we, with this one life, have an occasion, have an opportunity to take what God has given to us and risk it all. Give it all. That's why we're here. We're not here for our sakes. We're here for the glory of God. He gave us this life. As we heard in that magnificent anthem that Mo sang from the, 
from the foundations of the earth. He identified you and me. Gave us this life to live for him. And return to him. Even more than what he gave to us. This is a, this is a life of faith that's evidenced by people in so many different ways. I was stunned this week. One of my late Friday night or early Saturday morning rituals is to watch the new firing line with Margaret Hoover. And she had these two gentlemen on that you would not think would belong in the same room together. Far left wing Cornell West and far right wing Robert George these two men are sitting together, and I, I, I commend this program to you. It's online right now. But these two men are together, sitting next to each other, leaning each of them in toward each other throughout the interview, and speaking of their love for one another. These two men, both of them, both of them devout Christians. They had some very fascinating things to say about their life as academics at at Princeton, at Harvard, at Oxford. Cornel West said, we'd rather take the easy way out, status, money, wealth, and so forth. And yet the real spiritual, moral wealth that really does provide a deep joy, not just superficial pleasure, is something that we provide as a door opening for those who want to enter this love of truth, beauty, goodness, and then as Christians, even love of God. And then Robert George responds, in our classes, Cornell will often tell our students that you may not understand it, you may not even believe it, but let me tell you that the real reason you have come to Princeton or Harvard or whatever university it is, the real reason you have come is to learn how to die. Because if you don't learn how to die, you're not going to be able to know how to live. We learn how to die so that we know how to live. So the Lord our Savior has given us, given us in this little parable a picture of what it looks like to finish well. To restore to our God that which he has first given to us, multiplied over by the gifts that he has given to us to invest our lives. And if we rightly understand who he is, if we rightly understand the nature and the character of God, then we will know that we will be greeted with a broad smile and open arms and the declaration. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so we begin each day with faithfulness. Make your bet. You join me in prayer. Oh Lord, thank you. This is not a life characterized by fear but one by faith. And you are a God not characterized by harsh judgment, but characterized by deep and profound love. 
May we rightly understand, rightly live, and rightly worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.